Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening and let's get to it. A lot of times we throw around the word a boss and, uh, you know, kind of what does that mean? Today, I am thrilled to have on a real boss, and I think when you listen to the interview, you'll understand exactly what that means. So Grayson LaFriends is the CEO of Power Digital Marketing, which is an amazing marketing company. It's got more awards than you can imagine. It employs over 100 uh, people who are really on the cutting edge of the digital marketing industry. Grayson himself has been recognized in multiple uh, entrepreneur organizations uh, in San Diego where he's based and across the country. What is unreal about this interview is how Grayson was able to construct his company because it breaks every single old school thought we had about, you know, working for the man and the, 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 the idea of being part of a big organization, Grayson is laser focused on bringing out the greatness in all of his employees, how to build a company that people actually want to work for, how to make your success, the success of everybody else's and everyone else's success so paramount to your success that they don't, they can't imagine leaving, right? And and in a way, as we were speaking, what cemented to me was this is really what college is supposed to do in the sense that it gives people a way to grow and to kind of become who they need to become. But at the same time, rather than like taking their money, it's giving them a tremendous economic opportunity and then providing a lot of good for the marketplace as well. So this was as as cutting edge as it comes. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, Grayson goes in and and quotes, uh, that talks about this idea about the personal hedgehog. How do you find your own greatness, your own superpower? How do you make money off of doing that? And then how do you build something that people not only want to hire, but people want to work for? So this is a, one, of those, one of those episodes where you really need to take, uh, take some good notes. Uh, with no further ado, it is my pleasure to welcome on Grayson LaFriends. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, Lift Your Legacy is committed to helping you live a more authentic and meaningful life. That being said, if I could ask you to share this podcast with someone that you think would get value from the message, that would be fantastic. In addition, I wanted to make you aware that along with the podcast, I do offer executive coaching. I help people who are successful and highly motivated, who want to see extreme, or not even so extreme, maybe just a small change that in their life. I want to help them get to the next level. What does that mean specifically? Creating more peace in your relationships with yourself, growing your business, clarifying your career. And even if you need a little bit of help losing some weight or getting more healthy, I do that also. I'm not for everyone, but for those people that are invested in making their life better and taking the next step, I highly recommend you consider me as a coach for you. Now, how do you get in touch? Well, you found the podcast. I wanted to tell you also my email, Jacob, my first name, Jacob at liftyourlegacy.live. 
feel free, please, to reach out there or on all, any or all of my social media channels. I'd be thrilled to give you a complimentary half an hour conversation to see if we might be a good fit to work together. And now, with no further ado, I ask you to please sit back and enjoy the show. Grace and the friends, thank you so much for joining me. It is such a pleasure. I've, uh, I've been very humbled to, uh, to read some of the great stuff you're doing and to follow your, your, your career a little bit. Could you let us know how you got to where you are today? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And, and uh, obviously that one is a, is a bit of a long story, but um, I've been really interested in entrepreneurship uh, since I was in college and, and had a, a great friend who's, who's my business partner now. Uh, whose dad was an entrepreneur and really got to see the, the lifestyle that he had and um, the success that he had had. And that really drew me towards it. And I actually uh, really got, got into the game in, in college, towards the end of college, and then right out of school, um, tried to start uh, my first business and was trying to raise some money. It happened to be 2007, which uh, apparently wasn't a great economic time. Right. But for me, it was just the normal. And so during that process, I was told that I needed to go get a, a skill set. And so I uh, did some research and learned that, you know, sales was probably a great one to, for a future entrepreneur. And so I went and worked at Xerox and that's where it all started. And then, uh, since then I've started seven different businesses, a few that have uh, been successful and a few that have been less successful, but great lessons. And, um, you know, super excited today to be very blessed to, to get to be the CEO here at power digital marketing, which, uh, we do internet marketing for brands and really help, brands to scale revenue and, and increase profit through internet marketing um, and have about 110 people in our offices here in San Diego and uh, on the East Coast. And uh, it's just a really exciting time of growth and, and, uh, and a new chapter for us. That's fantastic. Congratulations on your success. I, Thank I, you. I wanted, to, I wanted to really delve in in the beginning. You know, it, it's interesting because so many people feel like they should know what they want to do. And so few people know what they actually are doing or how to get there. And so maybe you could advise either from your own experience or just based on what you're seeing now, if a, if a young person or let's just not just say any person knows that they want to achieve certain financial goals or an, a lifestyle where they're not kind of you know, trapped to the cubicle, how does a person sort of look at themselves, look at their skill sets and, and take the next step, even if they don't know which way they want to go? Yeah, so a tool that I was introduced to a, a few years ago, um, and it's actually from the book Good to Great, I believe originally, but uh, a good friend of mine and fellow entrepreneur, Drew Goodmanson, had talked about it a lot, and it's the concept of your personal hedgehog. And it's something that I use a lot now uh, for myself and then also here at Power Digital for our team members when we're recruiting top talent and trying to create roles for them or we're mapping um, you know, paths for our superstars. And so the concept of the personal hedgehog is it's three circles and where the three circles meet in the middle is exactly where you're supposed to be, where you're gonna be your happiest, your most driven and your most successful. And so the first circle is your passion. And so really it's thinking about those weeks and days, you know, in your business career and those moments where you are just jacked up and you're fired up and you're just so energized and having so much fun and really intentionally thinking of those things and, and those times where you're really feeling driven and passionate about something. Um, and then second is your superpower. That's the second box. 
And so, you know, really, what are you the world's best at, you know, from a business perspective or career perspective, you know, what is the one or two things that you are just elite at and that come incredibly naturally to you? And that really are those superpower gifts. And so you start looking at those two things combined. And then as you start crafting that career path or that role for yourself, you look at, you know, where the passion intersects with the superpowers and then really tying it back to the economic engine, which is the third circle. And so, you know, how do I use that passion and those superpowers to do something that's going to drive incredible value for my organization um, or for my business um, or for the economy overall? And when you can put yourself in that spot where you're, you're doing what you love and what you're passionate about, you're playing to your strengths and things that come incredibly naturally to you and that you're incredibly gifted and doing it in a way that really drives that economic engine, you're typically going to be super successful, happy, and, uh, and financially rewarded for that as well. That's great. Thank you. Could we maybe break that down if you'd be comfortable doing it a little bit for, for yourself? Because what I, what I love about what I've seen with you is, is it's not like you necessarily, you, you were very determined, it sounds to me like you knew what you wanted to do in the sense that you wanted to, to be sort of your own boss and you wanted to create something in the, in the marketplace that wasn't totally there. If, if you would take that same approach to, to you, what would you say like your passion and your superpower is and how did you kind of come to that conclusion? Yeah, great question. So, you know, one of my, um, I guess it's a passion and a superpower. So I'm uh, very competitive and I've been very competitive my entire life, you know, through sports and just really enjoying, you know, competing and being on teams. And so something I'm really passionate about is competition and watching the scoreboard light up. And so that's a big passion of mine. And where that fits towards my superpower is I've always, you know, one of the things that I'm the world's best at is sales and being able to drive business and grow revenue through sales. And so those two things align really, really well in terms of sales being a superpower and a passion being, you know, competition and and lighten up the scoreboard because they're very similar and measurable. So that would be a, a good example there. But Another I, thing that I'm really I interrupt you on that because that was that in terms of the sales, one of the things you mentioned was that when you came out of college, you knew that sales would be valuable, but you went out and learned it. So if a person would say, you know, I'm not, I'm not great at sales or I'm nervous. I don't like selling. Do, do you think that that skill set, granted there, there has to be a certain level, like I, I think of, of social awareness and of, of, of um, appreciation of the product that you're selling, but is sales something that, you felt was mostly intrinsic to you or you had some of this basic skill sets, but really you, you went out, you learned, and then you got better over your career. Definitely went out and learned and got better over the career. And I think it's, it's a great point. So I think why I was able to be successful is that I was relentless in how I would compete and go after it. And so my skill set was very low right out of college, just like it is, you know, for, for most people but I just outworked everybody. I did more activities on the prospecting front. The rejection didn't phase me and I just competed and it gave me a big edge. And then as my skill set improved and I learned, um, it all comes together. But with that said, it's funny because I think a lot of uh, people kind of coming out of college or, or whatnot that are really social, they always think that they want to do sales. They're like, Oh, I'm very social. I love talking to people. You know, I want to do sales it doesn't translate like that. Very few people are, are cut out to be able to do it at that level. 
And it is a lot more than just being a social outgoing person. Um, it's a mindset and a consistency and a discipline that I think a lot of times is where people lack and why, you know, when you look at entry level sales jobs, you know, 5% make it and end up being really successful in that area. You're saying it's a heck of a lot more science than it is art initially. Yeah, it is. It's just activities. So early on, it's just doing, you know, it's, it's such an activities game with sales. So if you're prospecting, it's, you know, how many dials do you need to make to talk to X number of decision makers? And then how many decision makers do you need to make to set the appointment? And then how many appointments do you need to make to get to the proposal? And then how many proposals do you need to put out there to get the deal? And so it's just working backwards and it's just doing the activities. And so for me early on, I was relentless with that. And early on, I had to do a lot more phone calls to talk to the decision makers, to get the meetings, to get the deal because my skill was low and my talk tracks and polish wasn't very good. But as your skill set starts to improve, you know, if you keep making the same number of activities, you're going to start to get compounding results. So it's very much a numbers game. Um, and there's very clear data points to where you can see where you're, where it's breaking down for you. Um, and then, you know, certainly you improve greatly and you don't have to do as many of the numbers to get the result, but it, it's totally a simple mathematical equation to being successful in sales. And it's just a lot of discipline. So, so that's fantastic in, in, in kind of getting rid of the, the objection that a lot of people have that, you know, I'm not cut out for sales or I'm naturally social, I'll be good at sales. It's like, well, not really. You have to follow, you have to follow the path. I'm curious if you, you mentioned this sense of you weren't phased by rejection and rejection and you know, a social, I don't guess you could say graces or how we see each other or this dependency on other people caring and what they think about us is, believe it or not, not, not saying to you, but for the, the up and coming generations who have really been, you know, grown on social media and are, and are hyper aware that it, there's kind of an instantaneous ability to see whether or not your ideas, your, your postings will, will hit and make an impact. How did you get around this uh, not feeling phased by rejection? Was it focusing on a goal? Was it inner work that you were doing? Was it not tying yourself to results? Like what allowed you to go out and do this stuff without that, that fear or being held back by rejection? Yeah, so it's interesting. So in business, I don't take things personally. So it's never personal. If someone doesn't like what you're selling or what you're bringing, it's not they don't saying they don't like you necessarily. It's saying that you know you're not positioning right or they're not interested. And so for me as a person, I'm actually uh, a pretty introverted person. I don't always show up that way in in the business world because I I can't necessarily in in my role. Um, but you know, social interaction and stuff, it does take a lot out of me. And I'm a person that really enjoys their downtime and just being, you know, alone and having some time to myself. And to give you an example, it's like something I always laugh about because, you know, sales, it's kind of like cold calling a girl at the bar. So if you're a guy and it's, you know, you, you want to go try to meet a, a nice gal at the bar, it's, there is some similarities there, but for me, I was probably always a lot more shy um, and not as confident in trying to pick up a girl at the bar, for example, in, in my younger life um, before I was married. Um, and the reason why is I think that rejection is very personal. You know, it's very much a rejection to you and it, it's personal. And for me, that, that is a lot harder. But in business, it's not that way. It's not personal. It's, you know, the solution that you're bringing. And so it just never phased me. Um, and I never took it personally. And so it would just roll off my shoulder and, and then on to the next activity. And so I think it's a little bit of a mindset 
Um, and nobody's necessarily taught me that. That was just, I guess, how I've always viewed it and, you know, why I can do the activities in business and take the rejection, but maybe it's harder for me, uh, you know, socially or, or in the personal world. Amazing. If, if we could transition a little bit now and have you put on your, your boss hat as the, as the employer, uh, something that was really stuck out that you said is that you will sit with your leadership team and build a, a pathway for an all-star and maybe speak a little bit about this idea that rather than there being specific jobs, that you know, intuitive and intelligent and, and the future of business is gonna be more about creating the opportunities. I, I, don't, I don't know if you would agree with this, but more about creating the opportunity around the individual versus you know, just finding a, a person to be another lever, lever puller, so to speak, and sort of fitting into an exam, you know, a, a, pre, a pre-established position. Yeah, totally. So what I've um, found is that you wanna put your, you know, if you have the best team, if you look at sports, if you have the very best, most talented team and you have those players in positions where they're, they're doing what they love and they're in positions to win as a team and you don't have ego issues, typically that team wins. And so that's the same philosophy that, that I really believe in in business. And a lot of the roles that might be ordinary roles in our company, they're going to way underutilize a superstar player. So why would we want to do that? And why would we want to do that to them? And so instead, it's a matter of really, you know, mapping those out and taking elements of those roles and and putting them in that spot to realize their potential, where they're doing what they're most passionate about and where their superpowers are and what drives that economic engine for your company. Again, the personal hedgehog. So, you know, when I look at our business, for a lot of the really talented people, that, that is not just an account management role or a strategy role. It's a hybrid. And so the other thing that I've learned specifically with millennials and this younger generation is if they're not progressing and improving and getting better, they're going to lose interest quickly and they will not be there for long. And if they don't see how their contributions are driving the bigger vision of the organization and they're just a spoke in the wheel, they will not be there long and they will not be motivated. So really it's a matter of showing them how their contributions can have an unlimited impact on the organization and pushing them to improve, expand, um, be able to do more and take on more. And in doing so, it really has served our organization very well, but it's also allowed us to have an industry-leading employee retention rate um, at about 95%, which I think the industry average for us is about 40%. So I I think that that's really been the key driver, and and it's a ton of fun. It definitely is one of the areas I'm really passionate about. So, I mean, now that's, that's something that, that a, a, a company, you know, companies can look at what you're doing and, and start taking notes in the sense that I, w- I would venture to say that you've determined, I mean, clearly based on what, you, what you've accomplished, you've determined that it's much more cost effective to hire the right people and to keep them in the company versus to sort of bump, bump them out, I, I guess it sounds like. Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, I think for every business it is. And when you're looking at a culture too, and I I think if you have a really, really true, strong core values and culture, it's a huge competitive advantage and it allows you to get through those really hard times. So I think when a business is thriving, it's really easy. Um, But when things are hard, which, which inevitably happens, that culture is what you can lean back on. And so the way that you do that is through consistency and through loyalty 
and through relationships. And if, you're, if your company's a revolving door for talent, you're never gonna have that. And if your company's a revolving door where people are leaving for talent, your best people are gonna be looking around and saying, hey, why, why are all these other people leaving? Is there something else out there? So it's, it's very critical. Continuity, um, you know, building that trust and loyalty, you know, training and developing the people if, if, so your team is getting better month in and month out. Those things make it really easy to win and to improve as a company. Um, if that's not happening, it, it's very hard to improve and grow as a company because your, your team is not getting better and you're starting over with, with needing to train new people and, and teach new people constantly. So 100%, I think it's a, a huge key and has been a big part of uh, you know, why we've been successful. So, so just to reiterate, and it sounds like it's an interesting dichotomy that, that you've, sort of, you've sort of tapped on that it sounds like you know, everyone else or, or, or most of your competitors haven't which is by, by focusing on the individual, you build loyalty to the, to, the, to the organization. And if a person does not feel that level of, I guess you could say, in, individual attention, they're not gonna be loyal to your organization and therefore the organization's gonna suffer. So you, yep. and you we, the boss yeah. at, at how do I invest in my people? Yeah, we try really hard and you know, we, I, I think our heart is always in the right place, but we definitely make lots of mistakes and it's, it's a work in progress, right? Um, but a couple of tools that we've used that I would recommend um, that are pretty simple. One is this vital five goals that we created. And we created these vital five goals. It was maybe like four years ago. And really what, how it happened is I was sitting on my couch, relaxing at home as an introvert <laughs> um, over the holidays and watching a little football. And I was thinking, man, we have all these young superstar team members how do we make sure we keep them? Because a lot of times if you're a young star, you know, after three years of your first job, you're going to look around and it, there's just stats that show that. And so I kind of came up with this concept of if I was in their seat, you know, what are the things that would have to be there that would keep me there? And that's how the vital five was born. And so the first one is if you were to blow it out this year and be absolutely thrilled with your earnings, how much money would you make? And they put that down on paper at the beginning of the year. And the second one is what are the one or two things, you know, skill sets and new talents that you want to develop that if you did, you would feel like, man, I really progressed. I got better. I improved. And so they write those down and we document that. The third one is what is your vision statement for your role in our company in a year from now? And we understand that that can really change and that we're experiencing new things and you know, I mean, what I want changes constantly. It's a moving target, but like, what does that look like today? So that we can see, is it managing people? Is it leading a team? You know, what is that? And then the fourth one is, what is your one big personal goal? What's the one big personal goal that if you accomplish this outside of work, you know, you are going to be thrilled and you will feel very fulfilled in that aspect. And then the fifth is around support. What support do you need from management or what support do you need from us? so that you feel truly empowered and supported. And so we document those, we track them every month and every quarter. And if you just do those and really work hard to help them accomplish those five things, you'll be shocked at how bought in those team members will be. You'll be shocked at how much they improve and they will stick with you and they will not leave. That's, so, a, that's a crazy point. So I'm saying like, let's say, you know, my goal would be to lose 50 pounds or, you know, find a, get married or something like that. So something completely outside of the realm of, of anything in the, in, the, in the corporate, you know, structure. So you would actually have a, a manager come and speak to these people and say, you know, how are you progressing on that goal? 
Yeah, one-on-one. So the manager, so let's say um, you know, I'm managing uh, uh, JT, let's say, uh, who's our COO. And let's say JT on his Vital Five, uh, he had that he wanted to uh, become master of the guitar. Well, as I'm reviewing that with him, I'm going to be asking if he's made progress. And if he hasn't, I'm going to be like, why? And maybe I'll even pick up the phone and book him a lesson and pay for that. Or maybe I've got a friend that plays that is really a great guy and is passionate and I'll, I'll connect those two together and just hold them accountable, you know, and try to help use my network and resources to, uh, to help him make it happen. So it's, it's that type of simple stuff, right? Um, or if a team member, you know, their vision statement for their role, they want to manage, but they're young and they're not there. Well, maybe we'll give them an opportunity to manage an intern. You know, that's pretty low risk. They'll honestly probably get a lot better because whenever you have to start teaching somebody something, you improve greatly. And maybe they'll learn that they don't actually don't like management at all and they want to go in a different direction. Um, and that's a great lesson too. So it's very easy if you just know what they care about and you get to know them as a person and, you know, you say, I'm, I'm, I'm committed and, and as a manager, I'm going to really help them, you know, make this happen and hold them accountable. You'd be surprised at, at what can happen. And I, and I think you know that. It's like a vision board, right? You put it down and you make an intentional effort and, and things really start to happen for you. I mean, you know, it's, what's, what's in my mind as you're saying this is that so many in the millennial and younger generation sort of look to college and the, and the university system as helping them figure out what they want to do and then are pleasantly, unpleasantly surprised. They have no idea what they want to do nor any skills to do that when they graduate in, I would say in most cases, there's just a general sense of despair at the, at the level of coming out of university because people don't really know what to do. And it's saying you as a company now are stepping in and sort of being that transitionary um, engine to allow people to sort of find themselves. And that's why, that's why they're there. And it's, it's fascinating because, you know, whereas people spend a ton of money to go to college and don't really know what they have to show for it when they come out in some cases here, they're getting paid and they're getting better. And, and the net result to you as, the, as a company is A, you're profitable, but B, you've ensured essentially long-term loyalty. Yep, totally. And I think that uh, the education system is, is really flawed overall. I think there's some areas that it's, it's great, you know, if, if you want to be an attorney or if you want to be in accounting or finance, but for business, for example, or for marketing, I think it's cr- incredibly flawed because most people, they learn in real world environments. So at Power Digital, when we do training, the biggest development that I see in team members is not when we're doing our classroom training and more formal stuff. That stuff's important and certainly some people's learning style plays towards that more. But where I see people grow by leaps and bounds is when they're being live coached on clients and on accounts. And when they make a mistake and in real time, they're encouraged, redirected, and uh, they're able to learn from that in real time, right when it happens. Or when they do something that's incredibly uh, successful and is a big win and big growth in the right direction, they get that praise and encouragement right away. So that's really where you know, I think it is. And I know for me, I was really blessed because I went and worked at Xerox right out of school. And I had a mentor there who's now our COO, JT. And he taught me a tremendous amount. And, what I, and it was really my, my master's. And it's what set me up for my whole career. And really college, which I loved, what it taught me to do is just to how to be an adult, how to make relationships and, and, and friends and, and build a network, um, how to live on my own. You know, it taught me a lot of those simple skills, but it was that first foundational career and the investment that Xerox and JT made in me that really set the tone for me as a businessman 
and ultimately as an entrepreneur and, and marketer. It's beautiful. I, I, I wanted to see if maybe you could speak to a person maintaining their individuality as a, as a business person. And, you know, I, I think one of the, one of the concepts is there's a certain expectation and, and I know it's changing and right away when a person sees you or, or looks at you, like you look like a, like a dude that's having fun. And then you realize sort of what you built underneath. And I think that there's a sort of a nest and you, you don't project out anything other than I'm, I'm, I'm down to earth. I'm relaxed. And you don't look like a traditional businessman. Is that a, is that intentional? Is that something that you've just been able to hold on to who you are as you go? I mean, like everything you're saying is screaming. Somehow you've been able to dominate your ego. The, the fact that you would hire uh, the, the guy that was your previous mentor shows it's like, you're totally fine having someone that saw you start from the bottom, like now look up to you. So how did you keep your individuality? How do you advise other people to show up authentically? And how do you work on that ever, ever uh, frustrating ego thing that uh, holds so many people back? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would say that I definitely, you know, have an ego and I have to be very careful about it. And I think, you know, most, most, a lot of people do. And, you know, I've, I've always been a big competitor. And so that's always been a fine line for me. I think what I learned though on that is I compete against myself and I don't compete against anybody else that's on my team. Um, I don't even really care about the competitors. I don't pay a lot of attention to that probably to a fault, but I'm competing against myself and, you know, improving month in and month out and accomplishing goals that I set that I think are phenomenal. And so, you know, when I do that, I get a lot of fulfillment from it and it doesn't create any negative environment with anyone else. But I also, I celebrate my wins because, you know, for me, um, you know, as CEO, I don't, there's nobody above me that's telling me Grayson, great job or Grayson, you need to do this better. And so one of the things that JT taught me when I was uh, young in my career is, if you're not promoting yourself, um, nobody else will. So if you're not, you know, feeling that great feeling when you're successful and enjoying it, like don't, don't let other people control that for you. Do it yourself. So I think that that's been really a good thing for me. And then in terms of the individuality, you know, I, I just believe that when you feel good and you're comfortable in your own skin, you're going to, you perform at a better level. And so for me, you know, in terms of dressing, like, you know, a lot of times I'll wear a hat to the office if I'm, if I, if I don't necessarily have client meetings or it's not a big deal. And the reason why is it's like, I, I just feel better that way. I feel more comfortable. Um, and so I, so I do that. And, uh, that's just one example, obviously, but you know, whatever it is, I think it's just really being true to yourself and not trying to be somebody for other people. Um, and you know, when you do that, your, your truest self, you feel your best and you perform at a high level. And I think what's great about a team is that you do get a lot of different personalities and different perspectives and it helps you avoid group thought and it helps you innovate, improve and change. And so the fact that we have a big diverse group of personalities and interests and styles in our company, it's an amazing gift. And why would we ever want to try to make those people conform or, uh, you know, become more similar. That would just be terrible for our business and for our clients. And so I think that it starts with how you dress and when, when you work. And, and another example there, not to go on and on, but like for me, my peak productive time of the day is from 7 a.m. till 9. And I was just doing a coffee walk with, uh, with a great young team member of ours, Jenna, who's been with us for about a year now, and we were talking about it. And her peak time of the day 
was like from four to six. And so it would be a huge mistake if I tried to make her peak time mine, she wouldn't be nearly as productive or successful and vice versa. And so I think it's just really different things work for different people and, uh, you know, empowering them to do what works for them and encouraging it. Um, it'll make them more successful and more productive. So I think that those would be kind of a couple examples, you know, around that individuality and then also around just improvement and, and competing. So as you, as you build yourself and as your company grows and you're seeing that the people and the, and the, uh, the different, you know, competitors, you know, everyone's kind of growing at this level. So it sounds to me like you've, you've built for yourself, you build for your company, you are building for your company, people that are going to be progressing tremendously in their careers. Inevitably, you find yourself in a room with people who previously you thought were like way out of your league. Do you ever have these challenges of, I guess you could say fear of success or the imposter syndrome? And if so, how do you deal with that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's important to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you in areas. Um, but you know, the imposter syndrome or fear of success, I've heard a lot, you know, I, I think I'm lucky and I, I don't know why, but I've never felt that way. Um, certainly I've had self doubt around things and I've seen where, you know, I've gone from periods in my, my career where I've been just hitting it and I'm super successful. And then the company grows and scales and my old systems aren't working. And I'm like a little bit thrown through a loop and I have to, you know, reinvent the way I do things. And, and I think that's great that uncom being uncomfortable with that's great. But um, I think I'm lucky to where I've never felt that imposter syndrome or, or fear of success. And probably part of it is it's, it's a flaw and a weakness is going back to, you know, the ego or I guess confidence is the word I'd use is, you know, I think that my parents did a great job of really, and probably at times they thought it was maybe too much again when I was young, but really building a lot of confidence in me and putting me out of my comfort zone. And so I think I've probably always been overly confident to an extent, um, which has hurt me at times, but then also really served me well to where, you know, I, I can't think of many times where I've been in a room and, and felt like I didn't deserve to be there or felt like my opinion or views uh, were not valuable. Again, if anything, I think probably sometimes that's, the confidence has maybe served me a little bit, you know, wrong where I've been overly confident. So um, that, that's kind of my, my situation with it. Thank you. And as someone that is so invested in the you know, digital marketing is, is pretty much everything, you know, uh, you know and, and seems to be growing at every opportunity and, and all over the place and working with young people that are in the, in the growth process. So you're, you're seeing the future sort of unfolding. What for you is, are you most passionate about? And if you think about kind of the direction that your, your life or your career might go, what, what, what is that? What are you seeing for, for the future, for yourself, for your company, for just business in general, how it's going? Yeah, that's a great question. So I say this all the time and I really believe it. You know, of the hundred people we have here in the office and the average age is probably 26, I'd say. I really believe in my heart, we have 10 future CEOs. And my dream and what would be the ultimate sign of success for me is for me to be able to do just a little part in helping develop them and helping them realize that. And my dream is that in 10 years from now, that when those 10 future CEOs or 15 or whatever the number is, they're running companies, disrupting industries, doing big stuff. You know, I just hope that I will have done 
um, enough for them to where, you know, obviously there'll be respect, but maybe they'll uh, want me to be on their board or be an advisor or an investor. And I look at these NFL coaches these days. And if you look, you know, throughout the NFL and these head coaches and, and you look at Bill Belichick of the Patriots, man, a lot of those superstar NFL coaches were assistant coaches for him or coordinators or film directors. And that I think is really, really cool. That tree and that impact and that that's legacy stuff and, you know, really making a big impact. And so that's kind of what my dream is when I look at our young team and just the, the future that they have. And, you know, I'm pretty darn confident that those 10 CEOs are going to be 20 times as successful as I am. And so hopefully I can uh, just be a part of that success and, uh, and get to watch them, you know, flourish and thrive. Beautiful. Uh, Grayson, I, I know that you are introverted and, and so perhaps this is putting you out a little bit, but if people wanted to know more and follow you personally and or find out about, about your company, where, where can they find you? Yeah, so LinkedIn, um, you know, typically on there, just Grayson LaFriends. And then also on our website, uh, PowerDigitalMarketing.com or just Google Power Digital. And you'll find us there and would, would love to connect and, you know, follow uh, the Power Digital Instagram. It's, it's a pretty great page. McKinsey on our team manages it and really love what she's doing there. It really shows our, our team. It shows, you know, our, our core values and a fun-loving spirit. So give us a follow on Instagram at Power uh, underscore Digital, I believe. And I uh, would love to connect on, on any of those uh, areas. You are the greatest. Thank you so much for the time, Grace. And I know you're very busy and I truly appreciate you sharing all of your wisdom with us. Yes, thank you very much. It's, uh, it's an honor and a, and a ton of fun to talk uh, to you on the podcast. So thanks a lot for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. There you have it, folks. Another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, we have a ton of amazing speakers coming up and also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.